0: Well, good morning and welcome uh, to those of you here in person and those of you worshiping with us online. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Chris and I'm one of the pastors on staff here and I'm really grateful to be sharing in uh, God's Word with you this morning. We'll be taking a break from our series in the book of Colossians uh, to dive in uh, this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. Jen shared during announcements uh, that Pastor Dan Needed to be in quarantine this morning, and that news came fairly late this week. Um, So we uh, decided to take a quick break and uh, talk about Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. He is feeling fine, uh, just to reiterate what Jen said, um, but he is out this morning. So um, that being said, um, I'm hopeful that the words of Deuteronomy 6 uh, will be helpful for you this morning. As we dive in, I want you to know that much more could be said about this text. We could dive in uh, much more deeply to some of the truths uh, found in it, but that's a different sermon for a different day. This morning, uh, I want to be very practical uh, and hopefully encourage you towards some action that will ultimately be for your good and for God's glory as you live out your life. So uh, if you're not there yet, would you open to Deuteronomy chapter 6? verses four through nine. I'm in the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, if you're following along digitally or you can use whatever translation you have handy, uh, the, the text is in our uh, YouVersion in our Church Center app, but the sermon notes won't be. Uh, so there's a little box. You can just take notes if you're a note taker and want to do that. So Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine, if you'd follow along as I read. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. If you take one thing and just one thing away from this message, let it be this. The gospel and its implications should consume your life. The gospel and its implications should consume your life. Our text this morning comes in the context of the law of God being given to Moses. Uh, Moses went up on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of other laws about uh, how the Israelites should live in their camp and how they should worship God. And in the immediate context, uh, it, the purpose of the law was to tell the nation of Israel how to live in a way that honored and glorified God. But in the broader context of Scripture, the purpose of the law was always to point forward the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who came to perfectly fulfill and satisfy the law. Jesus satisfied the law that God gave in the Old Testament by living it perfectly, right? He was born of a virgin, and then he lived a perfect, spotless, sinless life, never breaking a single command that God laid out, And after living that perfect life, he went to the cross, the cross that we deserved, that he didn't. And he bore the wrath of God for you and for me. And then he rose again on the third day and he ascended to heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God and reigns on high. In the book of Matthew, Jesus, that same Jesus who rose from the dead, cites Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse five: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, as the greatest and most important command in Scripture. He says that this, verse five, along with uh, along with the second most important command, love your neighbor as yourself, are the two commandments upon which the all the law and the prophets depend. In Jesus' mind, this is pretty important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your mind. It's not a complicated commandment, is it? It's really actually pretty straightforward. In light of what God has done, love Him. In light of what God has done, love Him. For the nation of Israel, that meant in light of their very recent deliverance from Egypt and God leading them through the wilderness as a pillar of smoke and fire, and in anticipation of the Messiah, they were to love the Lord the one true God with their whole life. For the church, for you and I living on this side of the cross, it means in light of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross on our behalf, love the Lord, the one true God with your whole life, with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your strength. I think, if we're honest with ourselves, this uh, text is much easier said than done, right? It's one thing to understand what God is saying here. It's one thing for me to stand up here and proclaim it from the pulpit. It's one thing for us to write it down or underline it or highlight it in our Bible and say, this is really important. I know I have to do this, but it's another thing altogether to actually live it out. It's a real challenge. There are things, hobbies, entertainment, people, relationships, you name it, vying for our affections, right? For our worship to be the center of our lives. None of those things are necessarily bad in and of themselves, right? In fact, God gives us many good gifts in the form of hobbies or entertainment or relationships, but those gifts are meant to reflect glory back to God, not to sit on the throne of our hearts cuz God the Lord our God who is one is the only one that deserves to be worshiped. He's the only one who is worthy of our praise and adoration and honor as top dog in our lives. So, how do we do it? How do we be a people who love the Lord with all our heart and soul and strength? Well, our text this morning gives us three ways to love the Lord, three simple ways to be people who are consumed with the gospel and its implications. So, as we walk through these uh, next few verses, uh, we're going to look at a way, and then I'm going to give you some really practical application. We're going to repeat that three times, and then we're going to go home. Sound good? Good. First, Impress these words upon your heart. Impress these words upon your heart. In verse 6, we read this. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Follower of Jesus Christ. The first way to love the the Lord is to impress these words on your heart. To impress the truth of the gospel deep within you. The primary ways that we do that, that we impress these words in our own hearts is through prayer and the reading of God's word. Spend time in it. Spend time wrestling with scripture. Spend time chewing on it and talking to God about it. Impress the word of God into your heart and watch as he transforms your life. What's the practical application here? Well, if you're not yet doing this, if you're not yet spending time in God's word, start. Just Start. Here's how. Maybe you approach the Word of God and you think, I have no idea what to do with this. I know I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. I know I should be spending time with God, and I know that He'll meet me there. I just don't know what to do. Here's a really practical thing you can do. You no longer have an excuse after this for why you're not reading your Bible. You can't use the excuse, I don't know how, because I'm going to tell you how. Start with the book of Mark. I chose it for you. Start with the book of Mark and start by reading one chapter a day. If one chapter is too much because you're not really a big reader, that's fine. Start by reading one heading a day. As you page through, you'll see these little headings. They're, I don't know, three, four, five, six verses long each. Start by reading one heading a day. After you read it, write down one thing that you learned, that you were reminded of, that God taught you, or that you want to know more about after reading that. Do that today, then do it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day, until you finish the book of Mark, and then pick a new book and do the same thing, and keep on going. After you finish Mark, if you can't figure out what book to read, email me or talk to me after a service, and I will gladly choose the next book for you to go through. If you're watching this morning online or you're here and you don't know about this Jesus thing, you're not sure about this whole church thing or who Jesus is and, uh, and, and you're just not sure what you're going to do, I don't think it's an accident that you're here participating in this worship service. This is a great place for you to start. Open up the book of Mark and just spend time reading it. And I promise you, even if you don't know who Jesus is yet, He's going to show you who He is. And when you get to know Him just a little bit, you're going to want to know more and more who He is. So whether you've been a believer for years or you're just checking out Crossview Church for the first time, and wherever you are, like Jen talked about during announcements, if you're having a really difficult time because life is heavy right now or you've got some personal stuff going on, wherever you are, God will meet you there as you impress His words upon your heart. If you have questions as you read his word, write them down. If you get confused, ask someone. Talk to someone. Take those questions and those confusions to your life group. Take them uh, to a friend who you know is a believer. Take them somewhere. Bring them to someone on staff at Cross. We would love to engage with God's word with you. Wrestle through his word together, but don't stop reading. Don't stop spending time in God's Word. Impress the words of the Lord into your heart. Second, repeat these words to your children and your family. We want to be a people who are consumed by the gospel and its implications. The second way is to repeat these words to your children and family. Let's look at verse 7. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. As you are impressing these words upon your heart, number one, begin sharing them with your family. Number two, don't hear what I didn't say there. This isn't step one and step two. These things happen concurrently. So concurrent with your own impressing upon your heart is pressing into your family with the word God of God. I think way too often as parents and family members, we feel like we have to have God's word figured out, right? We have to master this thing. We have to have a seminary degree or a PhD or something before we can take the hope of the gospel to our families. And it's just not true. As you're pressing God's word into your life, take that to your families. Parents, if no one has yet told you this, I'm telling you this now, you are the primary disciple makers of your kids. You are the primary disciple-makers of your kids. What an awesome privilege and responsibility. Moses isn't just talking to parents, though. So if you're not a parent, don't tune out. Whatever your family looks like, your call is to talk about the truth of the gospel when you sit in your house, when you're traveling, when you go to sleep, and when you wake. Whether you're in or you're out, from the beginning of the day until the end of it. So, what's the practical application here? Well, first, parents. Parents, if you are not sharing the hope of the gospel with your kids on a regular basis, start. Just start. If you're married with children or if you're a single parent, here's your application. Here's what I want you to do. This week, talk to your spouse or a trusted friend about what you're doing to teach your children about the love of Jesus. If you're not doing anything, Be honest about that. Be honest about where you are and talk about how you want to start. If you're doing a ton, awesome. Keep up the good work. Talk about how you're going to keep doing that. Some of you might be totally overwhelmed by the thought of discipling your kids. You might be totally overwhelmed about the thought of speaking the love of God or the Bible or Jesus into their lives. It's enough to put butterflies in your stomach and make your mouth go dry. Right? They'll ask questions that you don't know the answers to. You might be exposed as you talk about different sins, and your kids see that you're not actually perfect. They'll know that you don't know as much about the Bible as they thought you did. Can I let you in on a little secret as a fellow parent? We all feel that way. When we press into our kids and we speak gospel truth in their lives, we all feel that way. It's an awesome responsibility to point our kids towards Jesus, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. But it is yours. It is your responsibility as a parent to press the hope of the gospel. Into your kids' lives. It's not the responsibility of Crossview Church's children's ministry program. It's not the responsibility of Cale Erickson and his team of Apex leaders. It's not the responsibility of their grandparents or of their aunts or their uncles. Moms and dads, you are called to speak the truth of the gospel into the lives of your children. So, practical application, move forward with it. Whether you're doing this or you're not at present, you can move forward. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin uh, by going to our website and clicking on Jesus Storybook Time. We've put together uh, at this point eight or ten videos uh, where we work through the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is an amazing resource, and then we have some questions at the end that you can talk about as a family. So if you're not doing anything yet with your kids, I would encourage you to do that. Open that up, watch that video, and then talk about those questions. If you need a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible because you want to start working through that as a family, talk to me. Send me an email, talk to me after service. Uh, whatever you want to do to get in touch with me, and I will get you a copy of the Jesus Jesus Storybook Bible at no expense to you. So please take me up on that. If you need a copy of Jesus Storybook Bible so that you can disciple your kids with the Word of God, please talk to me. Another thing you can do is just simply point conversations with your kids towards Jesus and spiritual matters. As you are out and as you observe creation, give credit to God's handiwork in nature, in front of your kids, when, when they sin and when they need to apologize, or better yet, when you sin and when you need to ask for your kids' forgiveness, use that as an opportunity to remind them of the hope that we have in Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers. I said, though, this isn't just a charge to parents. Maybe you don't have kids. Or maybe you do, but they're no longer at home. Or maybe your family structure looks really unique. Or maybe you're single. You, too, can build a plan to dive deep into the gospel with your family, whether that's your grown children or your brothers or your sisters or even your own parents. It might start as simply as praying for opportunities for conversations, right? We're in a season uh, this time of year, where we're thinking about family more. And yeah, it's more complicated this year. We might not be together like we'd hoped. We might be on Zoom or what, we might be making phone calls or maybe we're in person, but there's lots of opportunities to be praying for conversations with your unbelieving family. As you do that, it might actually mean for you finally having a conversation that you've been meaning to have for months. Or years maybe you've already been praying for that family member maybe the spirit has impressed upon your heart the person that you need to talk to this season have that conversation begin a spiritual conversation with that person it might even be as simple as just mentioning in a conversation how God is teaching you through his word as you're doing number one and impressing his word upon your heart maybe you just mention in a conversation with someone hey God's really been showing me a lot about his love lately and see where that conversation goes. People want to know what's different about you. People want to hear about the love of God in your life and see how God uses your mentioning of that. Whatever it is, it certainly means that we as believers are called to pass the gospel on, beginning with our own families. The third and final way that we see in this text is to declare these words publicly. As we uh, try to be a people who are consumed with the gospel, we are to publicly declare these words. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. It says this, Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city Gates In Jewish culture, these commands were often taken quite literally. People would put like a rope on their hands so they could be identified or something uh, around their forehead so that they would look different. They would uh, put copies of the law, little copies of the law, in a box and nail it to their doorpost. So wherever they went or if people came into their home, uh, you would be able to quickly identify that someone was following after Yahweh. Now, you could do those things. You could take this literally. Uh, You could be like uh, Kale and you could have a little uh, wristband with uh, the text of this scripture actually on it. Uh, You could put a little box with a copy of the law on your doorpost. Uh, But if you're not going to do that, uh, that's okay. You don't have to take this fully literally. But if we're not going to take it literally, then how do we publicly declare these words? I think practically we can do it in two ways. We can do it in both word and in So we can speak the gospel, we can speak of the gospel, and we can live out the gospel. Speak of the gospel and live out the gospel. See, as we impress these words upon our hearts and as we spend time communicating them to our families, we will be transformed. I promise you, you cannot go through life spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in God's presence, and teaching the truths of Scripture to your family and getting to know Jesus. You can't do all of that and go through life and not be changed in dramatic ways. God meets you in those places and he changes you. And as he does that, you'll begin to show things like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Gentleness, self-control. The words of life will begin to exude from you in unexpected ways. You'll find yourself pointing conversations back to the gospel. People will see you living differently, responding differently to difficult situations in your life, and they'll start to ask questions. Why does he live differently? Why didn't she get mad about that? Why are they showing me grace in this situation when they should be showing me anger? So how can we publicly declare these words? By speaking the gospel and by living out the gospel. Let your words and your actions point to Jesus. Well, that was... Uh, Kind of rapid fire, right? Three headings and all kinds of practical application that you can do uh, to take this forward. Do you remember the one thing from the beginning? The one point of all of this? The gospel and its implications should consume your life. The gospel and its implications should consume your life. Much more could be said of the theological truth and the hope that we have in God based on these few verses, but we didn't cover all that this morning. So maybe instead of Mark, as you begin, your interest has been piqued by the book of Deuteronomy, and you want to begin your Bible reading with this passage and see how God teaches you. I think that's a great option. But as we conclude here, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. As a final application, I want you to write down one thing you will do in response to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through Nine. We're gonna, I'm going to give you 30 seconds or a minute. So pull out a piece of paper or your phone or if you're at home, grab something right on your hand. Whatever you got to do. Send an email to yourself. Send a text to a friend. Now, however you want to get this down, however the Spirit leads you, write something down. Maybe it's something from one of these three areas. Maybe it's uh, something about impressing the word upon your heart or what you're going to do for your family or how you're going to have a conversation at work. Maybe it's something totally unrelated to the sermon this morning and God's just been stirring in your heart uh, in a way that is unexpected and he wants you to do something. Write that down in a note on your phone, on your hand, on a paper, via text. And then, as we depart this morning and as you go about your week, act on it. Act on it. Don't delete the message. Don't let it wash off in the bathroom and then you all forget about it. Don't throw the little note of paper away. Act on it. Take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I know that you're challenging me to do this. Help me. And then do it. Have that conversation. Begin reading God's word. Begin or continue discipling your family. Friends, we serve a good, good God. We have a risen Savior who paid our penalty on the cross. He bore God's wrath so we don't have to. Not so he could hold it over our heads and demand obedience, but because he loves us so much. Let's respond in love as we pursue him together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope and the truth of the gospel. We thank you that Jesus' shed blood covers each one of us, Lord. And I pray that as we depart from here, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would give us uh, the one practical thing that you would have us do to pursue you more deeply, whether it's in our own lives or as we lead our families or as we go about our week publicly. Lord, we love you and we ask that you would use us. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.